Welcome to the Scottish Watches podcast. We have two new guests, not returning guests, although it does feel like we kind of know them because we've been speaking to them for that long. We have got a couple of gentlemen from a fantastic publication here in the UK called Oracle Time. It's such a great magazine. There's, there's almost a waiting list to get hold of it because I've never seen one, although I featured in it. I can't understand how this has happened, but they've promised me they're going to rectify this situation and I'm going to have one in my hand through my letterbox along with 50 listeners but you can find out more about that later on in the show so welcome to scottish watches sam and thomas how are you guys doing not bad not bad yourself i could lie and say it's a great day but my car has just shat itself and popped a coolant <laughs> hose or something has happened it is not feeling too good but apart from that no all is good all is good thank you very much for having us no problem at all it's been a long time coming i think it was last august or september we first started speaking mm-hmm. because i was away trying to get vaccinated to travel and we were chatting on the journey back from the hospital after getting my arm jabbed and it's taken that long to get things rocking because you guys are super busy and so are we but we can't forget about the dormouse the wee guy in the corner dave sharp dave how are you feeling now (laughs) dave's feeling better dave's feeling remarkably much better dave passed the covid test today so he's going to the states tomorrow so dave's more than happy yes you were a burst ball when we had you on the show just a couple of days ago there with Fiona Kruger. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look, but it was a really easy edit. I said absolutely nothing because I just sat dying slowly inside. So you had COVID, but you're you're better now. It's just old. Just just a bad day. It was the envelope I sent him with the white powder in it. It was it was the anthrax I was more interested in. <laughs> it was the spores. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> just uh. just to prove you you do actually exist in print, Ricky. There you go. There's I know, the, I've seen there's it. the picture. Nicholas that fears sent me a picture of it ah okay of course he did he's always up on it we'll make sure to 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 send you a box of copies so you can hand them out yeah I'll hand them out I've got got to be careful what I say because I got myself (laughs) into some trouble (laughs) she did be very careful be very Um, careful I got myself into a little bit of trouble there we go that is the team we have assembled today the Avengers are here and we should probably do the wrist check thing and since Thomas was first in the chat Sam is running late as always Thomas you can tell us what you're wearing on the wrist sure yeah I'm wearing a 1969 Breitling Sprint uh, 2212 with a surfboard dial. So yeah, something a little bit vintage, I guess. Um, I mainly bought it just because it has a splash of orange on the dial, which I'm a bit of a sucker for. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm wearing today. Cool. When did you pick that one up? Usually it'd be a loner, to be honest, but um, uh, a couple of years ago. It's kind of, you know, not as famous as the Top Time or the um, other watches they, they produce. So kind of got a bit of a deal on it so yeah hence hence why i bought it a couple of years ago under the radar <laughs> vintage purchase got exactly. a bit of a deal on it eh? yeah you robbed some old granny of it didn't tell her how much it was worth <laughs> exactly yeah the surfboard's a bit of a classic yeah I, I keep writing about it saying that it should be reissued in the hope they might <laughs> listen and it will go up in value but it hasn't happened thus far um hopefully soon though that only works if you work for hodinky <laughs> yeah no that's true Need, need close ties with the Richemont group. Or LVMH. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. moving across to Sam. What have you got on the wrist today? Uh, representing Glasgow, I've got my uh, Paul in the OC. Oh. Very nice. Bright blue dial. It's, it's one of those designs that on paper just shouldn't work. All those colours, but... When they first launched it back in lockdown, I just bought it to make myself a little bit happier about the whole pandemic business. Um, and ever since, uh, it's basically been my daily wearer. Can't can't really stop wearing it. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I live in London, so anything more expensive risks getting snatched off my wrist. But um, that aside, yeah, I probably get more comments about this than than any other watch I own, actually. That's interesting. And I get what you mean, because when I'm coming down to London, I'm always thinking, should I wear the most loud G-Shock in the world? So anyone looking at my wrist will immediately be turned off and not come after me. Nah, G-Shocks are too cool not to be stolen. Oh, God. Mm. There you go. Mm. There you go. Have to right. find my Invicta. <laughs> then you risk safe. the Invicta. Very Jesus. safe. Right, Dave. So I have my JLC on my uh, tribute nice. duo Moon Phase, which I'm I'm enjoying because it's a GMT, and I am flying tomorrow. So I thought not much opportunity in the last couple of years to actually utilise a GMT watch properly, aside from <laughs> when we went to Dubai. So you know, crack it out the cupboard and see what happens. So uh, that is mainly what I'm wearing. What about you? Have you got something of interest on, Ricky, or are you just um, going to pretend as usual? No, no, I'm wearing something. I am wearing something. Underwear? Uh, Underwear. And on my wrist as well. A wonder bra. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, today I decided to pull out the Tudor Fast Rider (laughs) Black Shield Ceramic. This is a Ducati edition. My second keeper luxury watch or Swiss watch, and this is coming up for five years old, and I think it's either now or in the next couple of days, it will be five years since I got my Batman, so I will have to quickly give it to Rolex and say there's a problem with it to get that free service thing that Dave was telling me to do. I have no idea what you're talking about, that's outrageous. Busy, I will find the clip in the prior edition and link it up. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he will find it, he probably already has found it. He is Rain Man when it comes to our shows. He can go and pull images from our Instagram that I forgot I took and put them in the show notes whenever we speak about things he's incredible he's yeah. such Some such an knowledge. asset uh, but no love this watch never wear it again Thomas you hit the nail on the head so many loners coming in never get the chance to really wear my own stuff but it's yep. great it's on a really really cheap eBay nasty leather strap but it works it works great looks fantastic probably never sell it because it's probably never going to get me any money back because it wasn't a super popular (laughs) model but yeah decent it's in the collection and i should wear it more that's us wrist checks done so why are you guys here to talk about the magazine i guess first and foremost offer your wonderful listeners um well the first 50 anywhere free uh, annual subscription <laughs> more for you thinking we have 50 listeners <laughs> <laughs> well if if you have more than 50 we've got it covered anyway because we're going to offer them 50 percent off after that so excellent um, okay that's the, that's the sort of shameless plug out the way i thought well, get that's it in what early. you're here for that's what you're here for <laughs> if anyone wants to find out about that remember be in the show notes oh, yeah. we're not going to tell you where but you need to go digging in the show notes and in first 50 to find that <laughs> link we'll have that free subscription and after that as the guys have said the next lot after that can all have a half price subscription is that worldwide as well yeah uh, yes yes that is well mm. yeah that is worldwide sam's well, just jumped. sam's just like said yes so why yeah, not? fuck it. Why not? <laughs> you hear, you hear, you've, you've heard it here now, so it doesn't matter where you are Take in the world. Take so global. Preferably everywhere you are that's far away, very expensive postage, get in there first. I, I'm really hoping that the majority of your listeners are based in, in the UK now, because this, <laughs> this, could, this could financially ruin us. Well, I'm going to help you guys out. You said a subscription, but you didn't say a print subscription, so PDFs can get emailed quite easily around uh, the world. <laughs> yeah, very perfect. smart, yeah. Get out of jail. I'm helping you guys out every step of the way. <laughs> no, but the real the real reason we're here obviously is to 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 talk some crap about watches, really, I guess. Just because we're we big fans of the show and uh, you know, you guys do it better than anyone, really, in our opinion. Thank you very um, much. So. Well, I would like to say the same about your magazine, but I've never read it. So <laughs> Yeah, that is uh You you've read your interview. 
I read that in my phone in text. See, I was going to, the reason we're on here is just to say, you know, how about it, there's nothing better than the tangible experience of print, you know, stepping away from the digital platforms that, you know, invade your life, all that sort of stuff. And and, and now it's just sort of fallen by the wayside. But you know what? You've had a copy. But you know what? The good thing here is since I've not actually seen the magazine, held mm. the magazine, felt the luxurious quality of the paper, the dead exactly. trees in my hands. You can tell me and you can tell the listeners because they probably haven't seen a copy either. Give us the lowdown. When did the magazine start? What's it mainly aimed at? What's the page count? What kind of editorial features do you have inside it? Sure. Um, so um, I found, co-founded the magazine nine years ago um, with very naive ideas of, of making some money from it, in all honesty, you know, as a commercial um sort of venture um but slowly went down the rabbit hole of kind of actually falling in love with the watch world and all the different people that, that you meet along the way and all the different stories involved all that sort of stuff um so we've been going nine years now and we have printed 10 issues a year every year for nine years um the magazine itself is you know mainly watches um so news reviews interviews with ceos interviews with you know people like yourself who are involved in in the industry um insiders that sort of stuff um but we also sort of bridge the gap between watches and lifestyle so we have style content motoring content um obviously it's uk focused so we keep you know uk luxury news store openings that sort of stuff it's just really a way of um consuming all that kind of digital media that you would usually consume in a in a print edition that's that's really the ethos behind it um we do use recycled paper where possible just so you know you can save the trees <laughs> um and yeah that's 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 really how the magazine started um obviously sam's the editor so he's uh, responsible for um lots of the content um but we we also branch out use various journalists in there <clears throat> Uh, yeah. specialist field and that sort of stuff so hopefully it's a well-rounded look at um the latest news in in watches and luxury lifestyle essentially but, but it's not just pure luxury we obviously you know we focus from everyone from you know parmigiani to rado to paulin to the smaller brands to micro brands we cover you know the whole the full spectrum of watches it isn't you know just purely the the, the top end we're not um, elitist about it like, essentially like you guys do as well obviously um because it's ultimately you know watch collecting and, and and watches it's a hobby you know it should be something that's fun it should be something that's kind of um inclusive really and that's kind of our approach that sounds like a print version of the podcast really <laughs> i was saying this earlier i was i did kind of think like <laughs> it is essentially i mean slightly less sweary but you know <laughs> well you um, guys have said the f word more than me today you promised it would be edited out so that's fine i did I did. <laughs> so dave you've actually yeah. read the magazine give us the the outsider's view on it yeah absolutely and mm -hmm. um, i i do you know I have access to the magazine as it comes out on a monthly basis. And it is it's a really nicely produced product. I am somebody who came from a generation where pre-digital, I bought magazines. I used to get, I remember getting my comic every week from with my pocket money, whether it was, you know, the Beano or Dandy or whatever it was. And Stone tablets as I grew, from the mountain. As I, absolutely. And as I grew up, I also remember, you know, the magazines that would come out once every two weeks and you would collect them over a period of time and you would put them into binders and all of these kind of the heyday, I suppose, of print media. And, you know, print media has kind of um, really struggled over the last few years, whether it be newspapers or magazines. But I still find there's a real place for, especially especially the specialist press things like your magazine and you know kind of really niche subject areas where you can get 
good content and good editorial mm. and photography work done and put in print. And I've tried the whole magazines on an iPad and I just can't bring myself to deal <laughs> with it. I just, I just cannot deal yeah, with totally. it. The furthest I can ever get digitally with reading is a Kindle to read a book if it's just text and it's not imagery and it's pure text. And I do that more for convenience if I throw it in my pocket when I'm traveling or whatever. But I still prefer to buy books and magazines and your product. You know, I think for me, it's a really nice kind of blend of imagery, nice layout and, you know, a kind of real journey through a magazine, which you just have. Well, I've not found that journey in any way in a digital format that's given the same effect anyway at all. So, you know, I can thoroughly recommend if you're into your watches, there's not a huge amount of watch specific printed press out there and the ones that are there's a few american there's a few foreign ones but there's not a lot of british ones that are to the quality of the product that you put out so i can thoroughly recommend it on that basis is it available you. you know in the high street is it pretty accessible as a product or is it better so, done through a subscription i mean we sell single issues and subscriptions um but we sell them all direct <clears throat> now via our website as we find that's just a lot easier really to, for people to access um but yeah so you know you can go on oracleoftime.com order yourself a copy um you get 10 issues a year delivered to your doorstep um and, and there's varying prices for depending on where you're based if you're in the uk or europe um or the us um but yeah i mean i think i totally agree with you and that that's kind of what what we enjoy i mean we enjoy really putting together the magazine creating the imagery creating the content it's a bit of a passion project in all honesty um you know we never it's never going to make us million millionaires or that I, sort of I thing think, as you said david like most of these sort of niche publications are doing well because they are passion projects we're the people that like these things we love watches i'm sure there's someone that likes some intense angling that makes an amazing fishing magazine it's all as long as the people behind it actually care and want to produce the best thing they can produce it's going to find an audience and i i think yes our audience is growing but it's at the point where yeah we've we found the people we appeal to yeah i think i think with print as well like it's it when you know five six years ago it sort of seems to have turned the corner from then people really do want a tangible product again um you know it does make a, a fantastic prop in in instagram shots and things like that as well <laughs> so people kind of kind of like yeah well it's the whole you know that that sort of collector mentality it fits nicely into that having a having a print magazine as well really um so yeah it's hopefully on the, on the up prints on the up well, so renaissance <laughs> because people are buying vinyl records again the the touchy feely stuff yeah i can I've been on a plane recently i was thinking i don't really want to be staring into my phone trying to read something because when you're moving something that's small kind of just judders around in your hand whereas picking up the in-flight magazine you're able to hold it there or if you go to the toilet and you forget your phone, it's great to have a magazine with you. So, yeah. Well, we exactly. all work in an industry where the the touch and the feel are the most important part of it. <laughs> that was a watches mm-hmm. and wonders joke. That's quite esoteric. I'm not sure many people are going to get that. <laughs> we just left that one lingering for people to yeah, think their own yeah. thoughts. We left that one dangling. So, who did you co-found it with? Was it Sam or was it somebody else? No, no, it's my it's my business partner Mark who does the more uh, commercial aspect. I'm kind of like creative director distribution t-boy you know all the all the shit jobs that no one wants to do that's basically mm-hmm. me i like just this just today basically i was just packing up magazines to send to watches and wonders and 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 that sort of stuff but yeah so mark's kind of behind the scenes our team's fairly small you know we've probably got 
eight full-time staff, um, which is which is pretty much doubled in the last four mm-hmm. years. So it's always been a really small operation. And I'm a, um, I'm a much more recent addition. I've been there four years now. <laughs> right. Okay. And where did you come from? Interesting question. Found him on the street. He we just pretty much. Well, broke. I mean, I I knew the guys. From the big various... issue, the Oracle team. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I knew the guys for. So I used to work for um, a luxury lifestyle online magazine that called uh lux worldwide it's no longer around this was ages ago you were young you needed the money we get it yeah it was my first job in london and uh well second my first was actually with omega uh on their marketing team so that wasn't going anywhere i met a guy at a party who was like yeah come write for me so i went and did that which is pretty much how i got the job at oracle as well these were um Tom and Mark were the only guys that would always come to the pub with me after events. <laughs> and listen to the ramblings about watches and, and stuff as well. It was gold, you know it. <laughs> it was lightning in a bottle. So what's <laughs> your background then, Sam? What other stuff have you done in the past, publication-wise? Freelance for various publications, mostly online and stuff like that, because honestly, the uh, Oracle Time gig kind of keeps me very busy. With 10 issues a year, there's a... Uh, there's a lot to be getting on with, especially because it's a big 115 editorial page magazine. That's not a small 10 issues a year. It's a lot of content. And which months then get left at the wayside? Um, August, because Switzerland tends to shut down over August, and January because we're not masochists. And for people that aren't fortunate enough to manage to blag a free copy or a discount, what is the standard price per issue and what's the standard price for the 10 issues per year? It's, uh, it's eight ninety five per issue and uh, 10, ish- 10 issues is at £89.50, which we have just recently put our prices up because there's a paper shortage, basically. as a, There's a shortage of everything right now, but paper especially. I did have a worrying call from the printers the other day saying that they've got no paper. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not the kind of call you want from a printer. No, it's a good no job. There's a, no ink. It's a bit of an issue. Hopefully, a fairly reasonable, fair price for, for 10 issues, I think. Um, well, when you factor in the cost of delivery and all the rest of it, then exactly. that is pretty decent. You can be the judge of that when you finally get a copy, Ricky, and you can let us know. It's especially good at 50% off, just saying. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Even better at completely free. Ah, so be sure to check the show notes and find that link. Well, should we take it back a little step? We've done the plug for the magazine. That's why yes. you guys are here. But it's time to sort of pick your brains and see what is what in the world of watches because we come at it from an online social media podcasting type affair. You guys have got the traditional print media background. I think there's a slight difference of opinion from what we see, from what you guys do. So give us your interpretation of how things are at the moment in the watch world. How have you seen it sort of develop over the last 12 months? Obviously, at the beginning of lockdown, there was a huge sort of intake of breath that's being held until recently. Um, very recently, in fact. And uh, with Watches and Wonders coming up, I think now it's just we're being inundated with stuff. Obviously, sales from most of the bigger brands have been good. Um, People have been buying. Everything's been happy. We've been plenty busy our end. Um, But it's just all still felt a little, not stagnant, but kind of like we've been on standby for for quite a while now. Um, And from what we've seen of what's going to be released over the sort of next six months, we're not the only ones. There's going to be an absolute avalanche of pieces whether there's too many, whether it's a lot of noise, uh, time will tell, but it should be an exciting next few months. Yeah, I think I think now more than ever, like there's so many releases. I think with the kind of 
evolution of the micro brand and um every brand wanting to sort of stay in the 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 sort of you know the the forefront of everyone's minds with releases and press stuff going on and partnerships is kind of more relentless than it's ever been. I mean, watches as a, as an entity is, it, you know, they're more popular than they've ever been in my, in my mind. In, um, and they really are kind of more in the public consciousness now than I think they've ever been because, you know, whether that's because of the crazy values that, you know, you're seeing Rolexes go for on the gray market or whether you're, whether it's because, you know, the partnerships that, you know, brands like IWC have or, um, other, you know, huge sports partnerships out there. I think that they're sort of more more at the forefront now than ever. Um, but I also think yeah. it's because there's there's a, a lot more competition in the watch industry as well, because there's always new brands. There's brands that haven't been doing all that well that have suddenly gotten cool new releases, things like that. So as watches are getting more popular, there are more brands trying to sort of get their part of that pie. And then there's just in general a hell of a lot more noise so, I mean, obviously we see um, a lot of it just because that's that's our job. It does make me wonder what the sort of average consumer kind of sees most of, whether there's too much noise or, or people are still seeing the right things. I think a lot of the general I think a lot of the general consumer is still relatively in the dark, but I think there's more of an awareness with let's call the person Joe Average. Um, you know, there's more of an awareness especially with some of the brands that are associating themselves with some of the more mainstream sports, whether that be, you know, Formula One or tennis or athletics, for example. Mm. And I think more of the brands are beginning to leverage that connection more than they did so previously. You know, I think a lot of them maybe did the sponsorship, but didn't actually shout too much about it. Or if they did shout, they shouted within watch channels, which was kind of pointless because they all knew anyway. Whereas they're beginning to shout more in that kind of more mainstream channel to make just the the average person in the street begin to pick up and take notice. Definitely. I think as well, like watches um, with micro brands, they've kind of like, I probably should be careful what I say here, but they've cut a lot of the shit out in terms of, you know, brands spending pouring money into market marketing budgets and having a huge markup now you have these micro brands producing quality products with you know comparable specifications at, at, at sometimes a fraction of the price to some to some degree so i think there's kind of like this reaction by you know from the bigger brands like you know we have to produce better more more quality a, a better price point and i think that's kind of resulted in this kind of perfect storm and you know with 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 obviously the economy being the way it is you know watches being kind of really at the at the forefront of of kind of well being as big as they've ever been in my opinion yeah i would say what you've said there about the bigger brands and the smaller brands probably not the best analogy to use but it's like the american army versus vietnam these small guys are running around in the jungle doing amazing stuff that they shouldn't be able yeah. to do and these huge massive companies are having a real tough time taking yeah. control of things again i think i think a big part of it is because of these micro brands doing what they're doing it's kind of been a peek behind the curtain because even five six years ago there was so little transparency that a brand said they had an in-house movement you don't know what that necessarily meant. It could which have been. Brand, a, which brand are you talking about, Sam? Uh, name one. Just, just, <laughs> just use it as an ink blot test. Um, and now that all of these micro brands are offering incredible movements for fractions of the price, it does. It has started to make a fair few people wonder about the actual value inherent in a watch, whether you are paying for value or you're paying for a label. Um, yeah. 
I think parts of that are true. And I think another way to look at it is a lot of the big brands, you know, they have over the years invested considerable amounts of money in research and development materials, etc. But I think it would be fair to say an awful lot of them have sat back on their laurels for quite a while now. Yeah, you know, Whether that so. be steel, you know, titanium, etc. All of these things coming in and they're still pursuing premium money for a lot of that technology that, you know, the kind of cost was immortalised decades ago. And it's maybe made some of those bigger companies sit up because now that you have these small micro brands come along who can put out a nice titanium case watch with a good dial and a decent movement, a nice bracelet for a fraction of what is being offered by the big brands, the big brands are suddenly now thinking, hmm, let's spend some money actually doing a bit of R&D and moving things forward. And, you know, you're beginning to see IWC, you mentioned, bringing in new kind of materials mm. like serotonium, etc. And also, you know, Omega just bringing in the new uh, Planet Ocean range with the deep blue where, you know, there's a whole yeah. load of mm. patent pendings. When was the last time one of the big brands put a watch to market where it still was waiting on patent pendings? That's been a long time. Yeah. And they're the ones that have got the pockets that are deep enough to do that. And it will actually move things forward because the small guys, they can't afford to play that game. Of course. No, totally. And I mean, you know, saying that there's nothing, you know, not taking anything away from, from some of the big guys, because like you say, they have paved the way to make the the smaller brands be able to do what they do. Um, I mean, Sam and I were lucky enough to go to the IWC factory mm-hmm. um, two weeks you, ago now. Three? When, I don't know. Time when, is weird. So yeah, obviously the work that they do there is 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 brilliant. Some of I mean, the stuff that, yeah. that they're coming up with is is really cool. And the actual and- manufacture itself in Schaffhausen is is incredibly impressive. Obviously, IWC is in one of those spaces where they produce a lot of watches, but they are very high end watches. And just seeing where they fire the serotonium and those kind of actual in house manufacturing techniques in a space that they've yet to fill was incredibly impressive. Is it maybe a case that more recently a change of guard at these brands? We always talk about IWC because Chris Granger is such a forward thinking guy. He's not old school Swiss. And when you've got people like that, you've got Julian at Zenith and you've got whichever kids currently running tag from the family. It's all the younger (laughs) generation. They're not kind of in steeped and entrenched in all this historic stuff and apart from JLC I think that's the only one I've spoken to where they were going back the way they were talking about their heritage lines and the watchmaker's watchmaker but everyone else it's it's young it's fresh it's hip it's happening definitely I think it, I think it has to be a mixture obviously you know it has to be kind of a reverence of what is being created and what's done but also you know that forward thinking approach which actually creates some cool new stuff that that people want to see because you know that's part of the passion of watch collecting and watch loving watches is that that ingenuity that engineering those elements that you've kind of never seen before um yeah so i think it definitely has to be a mixture i guess i do think the changing of the guard has worked particularly well at zenith because the last few years they've just been killing it Mm -hmm. um the new defy models the the um yeah, the revivals. Yeah, the revivals, I mean, the A386 and stuff like that. Is, yeah. It, like, that stuff's so cool. It might, exactly. Like, for someone who kind of likes the vintage aesthetic, Zenith, even like the, the, the Chrono Master Sport, for me, that's like one of the perfect sports chronographs around right now. It's it's just lovely. And they wouldn't have released something like that five years ago. So it's fantastic to see them being able to do sort of both sides of it and produce 
plenty of new pieces like the Defy Extreme and that sort of crazy stuff now. Had the Deluca though. That was kind of a similar, is it the Deluca? That kind of, that chunky kind of sports chronograph looking watch. I can't remember. Yeah, but, yeah. that was kind of out on a limb though. It was a bit... Yeah bit funky. Well, you're right with Zenith because they have got the vintage re-editions and then they've got the crazy stuff so no one can ever say, oh, you're going too far this way when they're also going too far the opposite way, ladder bracelets <laughs> and the like. Yeah. And the ones that we've had in, the only fault I had with the Chronomaster Sport was the bracelet scuffed up when I was taking photos of it, putting on a bit of paper, right. which I'd never oh, seen really? with any other watch. Like everything Christopher Ward, Rolex, Tudor, anything at all. This one here just, don't know, it was made of cheese. Yeah. So I, I just bring it back to your point on kind of the difference between what you guys do and what we do and the kind of traditional kind of <laughs> journalistic approach the thing is i think that you know from a from a uh, print journalist there's kind of too much kind of uh just nodding to the brand and like oh new release yes that's great oh yeah great just like everything's great which but when you get people that are actually buying watches collecting watches wearing them and getting you know heavily involved with them you get true opinions which is kind of what's we're trying to do more of and and trying to bridge that gap more of what you guys do brilliantly and what you know a lot of people do you know bark and jack people on youtube instagrammers that sort of stuff they're kind of bringing that actual owner mentality to the kind of media world which is which is invaluable i think i think you're right i think the bigger the bigger question you have to ask whether it's us yourselves youtubers who are you actually serving are you serving the brand the industry Mm. Or are you serving the people who are looking to buy product who ultimately allow the industry to be? You know, and I think it's been a long time coming, but most press, we'll call it generically, have very much been on the side of the brand and not mm. on the side of the yeah. For consumer. Sure. I mean, and I think the the world's changing, and I've had long conversations with people about luxury. Full stop. And luxury's had its way for far too long, hmm. in that it dictates what you pay, whether you're even allowed to buy it, who gets to buy it, when you get to buy it, whether you do or don't get to buy it. And you know that's not luxury. That's that that's being manipulated by a very powerful entity, as opposed to you know it should much it should be a much more kind of um fair system and i think it it needs to be able to justify itself yeah it has to be well luxury has to genuinely be luxury luxury doesn't just mean expensive which is where it seems to be just now it's like take something that might be good but it might also not be very good and make it expensive it's suddenly it's luxury and that's not what luxury is um in, in, in the true sense of luxury so i think it'll be interesting to see because if that narrative begins to change both with you know online youtube and podcasts and and in print then the brands will need to sit up and take notice not that they're all doing a bad job they're not by any stretch but they will they will be held to account when they make mistakes which is what they don't particularly get at the moment speaking of zenith actually i was i was lucky enough to do you guys see the zero g collection the the double tourbillon defy and the uh did you happen to see any of their promo videos of their (laughs) uh zero g flight they took a few people on so, yeah. No. So so when you when you buy the watch, either the double tourbillon or the or the zero G, which is kind of the um, it's got this gimbal in it. They've they've reduced, re- released the collection a couple of years ago. You essentially get, but they've released a new sapphire case version, two new versions this year. Um, but when you buy one of those watches, you also get to go on a zero G trip um, in Bordeaux. So you basically do these parabolas of. You know, you know, you know, like Apollo ah, 13. The, 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 the vomit comet. Yeah. Yeah. Something much. like that. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to go on, on a, on a trip two weeks ago now. 
um, on the on the zero G experience, which was pretty pretty crazy. It was probably the the craziest press experience I've ever had in my life, and I don't get many because I'm usually behind the scenes. But yeah, that was that was enough to make me want to buy one of the watches, even though it's way way out of my price bracket. But <laughs> yeah, that was that was cool. Weightlessness is is a pretty yeah weird experience. I'm sure we can dig out a lovely photo of Tom floating in the air for your notes as well. Yeah. Maybe maybe leave maybe leave that out. But how many people were sick? Quite a lot. I mean, there's quite a lot of people in the plane. There was probably like 30, 40 people in this um COVID petri dish. Yeah, I was gonna say pimped out Airbus, but that's probably the wrong terminology. Padded kind of plane. And yeah. Right. And then what happened when you hit zero G after that? Well, you just float and it's like yeah, it's such a, a, a kind of a mental experience as well as a physical one. But yeah, it was really interesting. It was really cool. And also, you know, it was great to meet the, the, the team at Zenith, um, the product designer, his name, I can't remember right now. But yeah, as you say, like a really young kind of uh, innovative team doing some really cool stuff. I think it's quite interesting you say that and that that's something that they're doing when they launch a new watch. Yeah. The experience comes with the watch mm. as opposed to that being something that historically would have been a take the press and give them something super cool to do, but the actual customer buying the watch doesn't get to do the cool thing, which always to me is a bit yeah. kind of remiss, but it was always the way it worked. But, you know, the fact now that the customer buying the watch gets to do this kind of cool money can't buy experience. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that... Um... Um, who was it? Panerai were doing a whole series of those kind of experiences as well. So I with think, Mike one, Horn. yeah, one was like an explorer thing with Mike Horn, where you go on some ice and get mauled by polar bears or some shit. Um, another was you go to train with some Marines. It, they were all things that like literally you could not do without buying the watch, which I think you're right. Um, us press tend to get a little bit overprivileged and the people that end up buying the watches are just don't so it's good to see the tables turning slightly it'd be good to see more brands do more of them i only got to go on that trip because someone failed their medical as well so it was like a last minute thing so it wasn't like i'm a privileged press kind of uh kind of person but yeah it's, it's, it's great to see that brands offering an experience with 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 the watches that seems to be something happening more and more definitely um, as opposed to just an NFT, which is uh, oh God. a bit boring. <laughs> oh, no, don't start. Don't open that can of worms. <laughs> oh, uh, Dave, you not bought yourself an NFT watch yet? No, no Jacob & Co's in your digital closet? As of when we are recording this, there's an episode that's coming up that we dive into a little bit of the <laughs> NFTs. Just no. Wow. Even Ricky's, even, even Ricky's a hard no. Uh, pff, when it comes to technology, I'm kind of there at the top, but no, I'm, I'm not buying any of this shit. What's your thoughts on it all? First of all, do you understand it? Do you know what it is? I mean, I someone that's followed like crypto for quite some time. Um, okay, take me and the listeners on a journey. Explain well, what it all is. <laughs> well, that, I've set myself up for a fall you now. Have. But um, obviously non-fungible i'm sure you understand what the term fungible means you can't essentially mushrooms, fun mushrooms fun, yeah you can't fun, fungi it. you can't fung it you can't um hate funging duplicate or replicate it that i think that's correct it could be completely wrong um so <laughs> the concept is is a really good idea because essentially you can attach a, a physical asset the whole idea with blockchain is it's supposed to be an immutable ledger and essentially a trustless decentralized ledger in which no, none of the data can be altered. So for example, if Rolex applied this to their watches that they sell, then no one can ever produce a counterfeit watch because it's completely 
you know, set on the blockchain, it's immutable. So essentially, yeah, it, it what kind do you of mean gets... they couldn't create a counterfeit watch. Well, they could create a counterfeit watch, but when you verified it against the blockchain, you you just understand that it's a fake. In what way? Because they could duplicate the serial numbers and then you would check it and the serial numbers would check. That is true, but you can use things like uh, is it ARFID chips and different different types of chips to create kind of and also the thing is I guess with serial numbers you don't just put them in one place like on a car or something like that but how would you know where to look to check because if you know where they are to check where they are then you'd know where they are to duplicate them that's true I mean let's whole, assume it's like a digital backup of your warranty card yeah it's essentially a digital warranty card essentially that's what it is and if, of course you can You're then welcome. you can then sort of fake that physical asset to some degree to some accuracy depending on how good at forgery you are so basically it's a replacement for an excel file where your name is associated with a serial number for warranty claims exactly so it's a lot of shit with no because with a with a because with a blockchain with a blockchain you you basically every, it's 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 public so everyone can see it and it's also um trustless because it's 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 decentralized but why does that matter if someone steals a watch then they're going to sell it down the pub. But the thing is, obviously, the, the argument is that brands are never going to make it a public ledger. Essentially, it will always be closed, which is, so be a hyper ledger, not not a, not a, a true sort of blockchain, permissionless blockchain, that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, th- th- there's lots of uses for kind of that sort of technology. But the whole idea of you know selling someone a watch and giving them a you know, JPEG image to go along with it of watch and i mean like that sort of stuff no one really needs that let's be honest especially when half the time you don't get the watch but supply chain management traceability those sorts of things that it has like genuine applications in in my opinion i could be completely wrong i mean i think think you're right i think blockchain and nft have they have valid uses it just especially with artwork and these things that we're seeing at the moment which is all very trendy and on vogue it's just an absolute it's uh, an absolute joke Mm. that's money money laundering let's be honest yeah yeah. Wow, he went there. Yes, but correct. I mean, let's be fair. A good chunk of it is pump and dump schemes. I did kind of lead you into the the lion's den a little bit there to see how you would explain your way out of it. And you're right, blockchain is useful for crypto. It's good. It's like you say, it's, you can change it, but it's technically infeasible because you'd have to have more than fifty percent of the computers on that are working. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to beat well, it and work backwards. So yeah, that's correct. But it's when companies take a buzzword, augmented reality, virtual reality, and they slap it on. It's like an NFT watch. Well, what does that mean? We don't really know, but it's cool. So let's do that. Well, the the metaverse is the next one, right? Well, the metaverse has been tried before. Second reality was a big thing back in the early 2000s and it went nowhere. Yeah, I remember that. Second life. Yep. And before that, you had all the the other, there was another one, um, 3D Worlds back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So it's been tried many times and it will come and it will go and it will come and it will go. It's like 3D television. It came, Mm -hmm. it went, it came back with Avatar. Loads of TVs get sold. Go and try and find a 3D telly now. No chance. You don't. You don't think augmented re- augmented reality might might permeate somehow? Think about the advertising revenue. It's been around <laughs> since Nintendo 3DS came out, and it hasn't really gone anywhere. Google Glass came out, didn't go anywhere. Uh, what was the latest one? Snapchat had a set of glasses in mm. collaboration with somebody, didn't really go anywhere. It's a great idea, but it just it's a little bit too far down the road. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it will happen, but not not yet. It feels like that's... it could be a good sales tool, but that's about it. Yeah, for tools. You go into a store, you <laughs> virtually you know, try on a watch and then that's it. Yeah. I mean for, for watches that is something that hmm. could maybe work. 
well, I don't I think remember, there's necessarily. So I remember a few years back. I can't. Remember, I think it was Formex. They basically mm-hmm. gave out instead of press kits a thing you just slapped on your wrist, uploaded their app, and you could see their watches on your wrist. It was super basic augmented reality, but it was actually quite cool. It was a good way of browsing all their watches and everything. GLC and Zenith did that at SIHH in 2018. Yeah, they did it about a year after, mm. which is just about enough time for them to develop it after seeing it. <laughs> and I think I think, uh, I think Oris also did something similar, didn't they, when they brought out the ProPilot X? They did a... Oh, they sent out the VR goggles. Oh, God, that made me feel so rough. Yeah, it was quite weird. It was very spacey. Yeah, being in the centre of their new movement, it was uh, it was not okay. I actually, I actually went to see Schwartz Etienne at, uh, at Basel. I think it was like Basel World 2016, and they had an Oculus Rift, and they developed this collection of watches. This was like they were really, you know, cutting edge, and their collection of watches was based on the uh, the solar system. So it was nine watches. I can't remember if they included Pluto, Pluto or not or whatever. I remember this. But yeah, they were they were ahead of the game with their with their Oculus Rift and and you sort of stepped inside and discovered the watches and stuff. So that seemed pretty cool. But I guess the point being is that none of it's really stuck. It's cool, all sort of been forgotten about yeah. now. It's all been done. It's none of it's stuck. We're still back to trying on watches. Nothing quite the same as physically trying exactly. it on. Yes, you can virtually see what it looks like, but what does it feel like? Does it sit top heavy? Does the bracelet comfy? Does it pull hairs? You know, these are all the things that yeah. you'll never be able to address. It, it goes back to the sort of feel of a watch. You need to know what it feels like to wear, how it looks in different lights that aren't digitally rendered. You can't get that without trying them on. Otherwise, none of us would get loan watches. Yeah, which I think is still, you know, one of the big areas where the in-person store still has a valid place to play, you know, with more brands obviously pushing the online narrative, especially during lockdown when they had no option but to push that narrative. But, you know, there's nothing quite like people coming in, trying to watch on and deciding whether they like it or not. I think that's a, a key thing. Many times have you seen a picture of a watch and thought one way or the other and then you've checked the watch out in person and put it on and it has completely swayed you in the opposite direction. Either you love the look of it, tried it on, no, not going to work, not for me, all the other way around. Well, this literally happened to me yesterday. I went to the Omega um, technical presentation of their their new watches, which, you know, impressive array of pieces. But with the Speedmaster 57, from the images they sent, the blue and the green versions were really bright and shiny. And then I saw them in person and they are not like that at all. They are way more subtle, way more understated. And I much preferred the understated version. Same with a few of their pieces. So the out of all of the ultra deeps, my favorite ended up being the bright white dial because it just looked so amazing in real life compared to the images they'd sent over. They're oh. worlds apart. Right. Okay. We've 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 off said this, you know, that pretty much without fail, every image ever issued by a brand is so heavily rendered and manipulated yeah. that it just it at best gives a vague idea of what the watch is actually going to look like and at worst it looks like a completely different watch than when you actually see it in real life you know and i i, I still don't understand why so many brands feel the need to you know so heavily manipulate them to the point where it, it barely resembles the actual product anymore and i think that's quite a sad state of affairs it makes you worry how much faith they have in it Mm. I guess they probably sell a lot of watches online <laughs> as well. So people don't really get to see. I mean, you know, most watch people will will, will want to try a watch on 
first but there's also a lot of people out there that are just buying watches because they're because they're a certain brand or because you know that sort of sort of sex sector of the market i guess but would people then not return them especially here in the uk with your seven days dsr no no way too embarrassed to return anything seriously i i, I mean i guess i'm not saying all people but i think there probably is a portion of people out there that buy stuff just because they got money and you know you know they're not really interested in delving into the the minutiae of something they kind of want to just like yeah well, what i'm saying is if you buy a watch based on the rendered product images yeah and perfect lighting because it's rendered mm-hmm. or perfect studio lighting multiple shots multiple exposures racked focus and then it arrives and it's not what it looks like then if it's multiple thousands of pounds or something then you're not going to sit with it i mean i know people mainly females that buy clothing and they try it on and it doesn't look the same as it did on the model, funnily enough, and they return it. So is it not just creating a problem where if you put these really artsy pictures of something out there, people buy it online because that's the way they do things nowadays, they're just creating a nightmare for returns? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think there's probably a mixture of, of both both happening, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm know. purely I... guessing. Like, I have no... No, no, no. You need to answer <laughs> no. for the industry. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to say unequivocally, they're fucking keeping that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's joking. it. Honestly, I think most people would, especially because there tends to be a long waiting time for these things. There tends to be a big build-up, are super invested in the purchase and all that kind of... If it comes in, if it was a, the wrong colour, sure, you wouldn't want that. But if it's just slightly different and you're not quite as happy with it. What, what did you guys think of the Aquaterra colours? On Well, before we get to that, Dave has a story okay. that he's Sorry. told a couple of times. No, no, it's okay. You'll learn. Uh, Dave has always <laughs> wanted to get an Octofinissimo and he tried to force himself to like it. And he'd wanted it and wanted it and he wouldn't buy it because it just wasn't right. He never got suckered in and went, I'm just going to take it because in my head I like it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, that was something I tried on. But to say I don't like the watch is not true. I do. I still love it. It's one of those pieces that you can't not love, technically, aesthetically, etc. You just not like it on you. Yep, it just doesn't sit. It's just, it's like trying on a pair of jeans that you want and they just feel uncomfortable on it was one of those ones and there's been very few watches to be fair that um have ever got to the stage of it just isn't comfortable on the wrist and and that one still to this day annoyingly for me is i really i really do want one but i just thought i just wouldn't wear it and so it's Dave, what, it. what what could they do to finally get you to buy one Make what do they size. need to change what do they need to change on it do you know the thing is i wouldn't i wouldn't want them to change anything because i think aesthetically the watch is stunning for what it is it just is one of those classic um form form fit functions it doesn't fit my wrist and there's not a lot i can do about my wrist i'm sure there's a cosmetic surgeon somewhere could fix it for me but frankly i think that's possibly a little extreme well we'll bounce it back to thomas my question there was what watches have you seen pictures of that you didn't like then in real life you were like oh wow or vice versa. Oh, that's that's difficult because I do see a lot of watches about and struggle to remember their names. Um, um, most recently, I guess probably the the Zenith uh, Fire Skyline. Mm. I didn't. Are like you bumping the into your table? Because I'm hearing a knocking noise. Sorry, that, that yeah, that was. He me. just got way too excited. Sorry, about I've probably Zenith. talked far did, too that, much about that's Zenith. His helmet well. that's helmet the underside of the table. Oh, <laughs> oh Skyline. It's it's yeah. <laughs> Well, the 25H from Gucci, I really liked that when I saw it in the flesh. Like, I didn't like the images of it at all. I thought, this is horrible. And then as soon as I put it on and 
looked at it, I was like, this is a masterpiece. And I honestly the, did not want to like that watch. Yeah. The proportions of it look kind of strange, the bezel and stuff, you know, it's very easy to compare it to, you know, a Nautilus or a Genteresque kind of design. Um, but it's kind of like got this weird, it's like a weird, it's just a weird shape basically. Mm-hmm. But, but when you actually get hands on with it, it fits brilliantly. The bracelet's really nice. And it just looks really cool. And I thought, yes, this is a really cool watch. Um, the Vertex Aqualine as well. I didn't, is it Aqualine? No, what's it yeah, called? Yeah, Aqualine, the Dive. Aqualine, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't like the images of that, but when I got hands on, really, really liked it. Just purely because of the bezel being like so Yeah, it's notched. so minimal in real life as well. Like the bezel sets that off really nicely. I saw all of Don's pre-rendered shots I'd been yeah. seeing the design that that was going to lead to for years now. And then when it finally came out, I was like, eh, we'll mm. see. Tried it was a little it bit underwhelming, yeah. but I, but when I got hands-on, I was really, really liked it. Re- yeah. Just really cool looking watch. Um, Bounce it over yeah. to Sam. Same question. What did you like the looks of in pictures? Weren't impressed in real life and vice versa? That's and you've really had about hard... five minutes to think about this. I know, I know. Was doing his bit. Um, I'm trying to think of watches that I've been disappointed with in real life, but... The thing is, I always sort of, I don't like seeing renders, so I always try and sort of reserve judgment until I've seen the watch. So I tend to just look at all these press pictures we get that are either in a perfect studio or pre-rendered so that they just look nothing like their original and don't really think anything of it until I see the actual watch, which is invariably better. You can't get the sort of depth that you normally, like, just as an example, every single Grobel 4Z, I look at the images online, I'm like, that means nothing to me. I see it in the flesh and it's one of the most miraculous pieces of watchmaking I've ever come across. Because from pictures, you cannot get the depth, you cannot get the architecture, you cannot get how the light plays on all the interior polishing. But when you actually see it, it's it's a whole world away. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. Um, having seen some of those watches over in Dubai, I agree with you, but I also disagree because I thought the renders and the pictures of it were fantastic as well beforehand. A watch I remember we got in maybe a couple of months back there that I kind of liked the look of, but when it arrived, it really grabbed me. And it's a brand you guys were just talking about. It's Formex with their little purple field titanium. And this is the first watch that Dave went insane about and stole. And I've not seen it since. Dave, tell us about this one. Yeah, um, a brand that um, you know doesn't particularly register highly up my charts of, oh, I must keep an eye on everything they'd release. They make a nice watch. Not going to knock them in any way, but that one just was one that immediately, upon seeing the real watch, just really caught my attention. The finish of the case, the shape of it, the size of it, the colour, the purple, just a fantastic looking watch. And you know that's one that I'm pretty convinced I will have probably seen a picture or a render of it and just skimmed straight past it without very much in the way of thought or depth to it. But when you saw the actual product in real life, it was a pretty stunning, pretty That's stunning because I, I have seen pictures of it and I have skimmed over it and I haven't seen it in, no. in real life yet. I'm yet um, to see amazing. one also. Genuinely yeah. amazing. I, yeah. yeah, I have Our, had many drinks with them. They're fantastic guys. Yeah, Raf's a, Raf's a cool dude. <laughs> Met him a few times. Really nice yeah. guy. He loves his snowboarding and skydiving and all that kind of crazy shit. And his beer. beer. (laughs) We're coming towards the end of the show now. So uh, what's the future got planned for you guys? Obviously, we've got Watches and Wonders coming up, but have you got any other exciting little nuggets you can share with us coming over the next few months? Mm, I wish I'd prepared 
better for this question. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, probably not anything huge to announce, but pretty much just more of the same, really. We're going to be continuing to produce Oracle Time and just being really busy with Watches and Wonders, all the shows and stuff. Um, you know, really, that's kind of that's kind of our plan, just head down and, and, and getting as much content and stuff out there. But I don't know if Sam's got something much more exciting to add. I hope so. No, just that we'll, we'll be having a lot of video content coming out of Watches and Wonders, as well as the sort of editorial stuff we're doing online. So if anyone wants to see what I actually look like, and I don't recommend it, uh, keep an eye on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we are, we are going to be doing a lot more video content. That's kind of the, the aim, a lot more interviews and stuff. I'll probably be at Watches and Wonders walking around with a with a gimbal looking like a bit of a loser. So if, if you fancy coming and say, saying hello, please do. <laughs> well, we will be over there. Looking forward to it. It's been a while. Been a long time coming. Uh, lots of cool things going to get announced. We haven't been told a lot of what is about... Well, we haven't been told a lot of what's just around the corner. But I think there's going to be some surprises for some people. Dave, what do you want to say about this? What do I want to say about... Oh, about this. Or I was going to go off on a rant there about something completely different. Oh, but no, Dave, Dave, um, please do. Yes, we've got a rant. Yes. We're going to finish with a Dave rant. We had the Barber rant, but it's time to get a Dave rant. Barber, the Barber <laughs> no, 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 rant no, no, was amazing. No, no. We, we, need a, we need a wee stinger in the tail. Go, give us it. Give stinger us in it. the tail. British fucking airways. That's all I need to say. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I Why? was not, but I completely agree. I don't even need to hear the rest of it. Uh, so getting into the US involves you getting a pretty basic COVID check, but you then try and check in. They tell you they have to, you have to download a completely different app called Verify, which they, you have to then update a whole load of stuff, including certificates. But of course, because it's a flight share with American Airlines, you tell it it's an American Airlines flight, but then that doesn't update the BA system. So BA still doesn't let you check in. But then you try and check in, but they won't let you. And because you can't check in, you can't fill in your advanced passenger information. So basically, QBA. Well, it's a good thing you're sorry. not going to the States anytime soon. When, when we flew to, uh, where was it, Zurich, week ago, a week ago with BA, two weeks ago, it was the easiest thing using Verifly and just uploading the the COVID passport and just like not showing anyone any printed documents or anything. So I'm just going to say for BA, you know, I'm going to give them the, the thumbs up. Definitely. My turn. My turn. I used <laughs> BA last week. I get given the booking reference by email and it was weird. There was a reference. There was a my reference. There was a flight reference. There was a booking reference. There was all these different ones because it went through different agencies for my booking. So I went onto the app and it says put in your flight reference number. So I picked one, put it in. No. Picked another one, put it in. No. Picked the third one out of the four, put it in. No. Your account is locked 24 hours before flying. How the f*** am I meant to check in? Yeah, that's not cool. Live chat is not live chat. Live chat is a bot. Even typing in operator and typing in... Oh my God. Never got me through to a human. Had to then go back the way through my contact at the PR agency who then went to their travel agency who then sorted it out. What a nightmare. Not cool. Well, another one. I flew to France shortly after going to Zurich and I was supposed to have passed passes and everything and they just didn't check anything they just showed them the passport let me through so but did they not do the thing where you stood on the little sticker and you looked forward and it checked everything for you automatically no i saw an actual person and Mm -hmm. i thought well basically because i'm double vaxxed i'm not triple vaxxed um I was on like Reddit trying to find out if I could actually get into France. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go anyway, because 
I'm potentially going to experience weightlessness. So I'm, I'm not stopping now. I'm just going to go. And I, I was getting, I was like sweating as I'm like walking up to passport control, thinking they're going to ask for stuff, but literally didn't even ask for anything. It was the easiest. Uh, the French are pretty lax apparently when it comes to COVID rules, which I, I didn't think was true. I thought they had the like pass sanitaire and it was really strict, but. Oh, that's good. I'm going skiing super easy. next week. So. Easy peasy. There we go. So <laughs> a nice little dunt at the end because <laughs> we're Scottish. We like to moan and we grabbed a couple of English folks and threw them in as well. So that has been a show. If people want to get a hold of Oracle Time, obviously they can check our show notes and hopefully win a free subscription for a year or get one at half price. But if they're unlucky in that way, how can they be lucky enough to get a hold of it? Where should they go? Just the same website, oracleoftime.com. Um, yeah, just literally click magazine, print subscription, order. Is that simple? So it's actually called Oracle of Time, not Oracle Time. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the URL. <laughs> oh. Just do. Just Google Oracle Time. Okay. That's the easiest thing to do. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have even confused matters by even mentioning the of, but I <laughs> Where feel did the like. Where did come from? Well, well, when we start, complete honesty, when we started the business, I didn't have any money. So it was kind of like Oracle Time was like 40 grand for the URL, but Oracle of Time was significantly cheaper. Why don't you call the magazine Oracle of Time? Well, if you look close enough, there's a tiny little of in between the. Uh, the, the the oracle and time it's not really but keep, keep <laughs> it sounds happy. good, sounds yeah, good. Sounds good. Yeah. we'll keep yeah. that in the show perfect and have you guys got instagram anything like that yeah so oracle time instagram youtube and if you want to see what we're up to obviously scottishwatches.co.uk we're on instagram at scottishwatches we're out twice a week mondays and thursdays so be sure to tune in and we will have a ton of content from watches wonders we may even collaborate with these two gentlemen and do a little bit of back and forward maybe get them to speak on the show maybe we'll appear in one of their videos who knows that would be great and be sure to check out the show notes for that competition so we're going to drive that one home as well so thank you guys for coming on the show and thank you for listening and we'll catch you guys again soon take care thank you very much thank you goodbye Thank you.